You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women Podcast. This is episode number 348. I am your host, Noel Tar of coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner and a certified personal trainer, and I'm here with my co-host, Stephanie Ruper. And today we're going to be talking about a variety of things, including dealing with burnout and how to handle that being burnout when you can't take away what's burning you out. We're also going to be talking about aging gracefully and healthfully and how to prepare your body for perimenopause because, yes, it starts in your 30s, which is where we're at. Uh, We're also going to be discussing how to tactfully talk to friends about how to improve their health and if curing autoimmune disease is a real thing. Curing in quotations. And all of this in under an hour possibly. Before we jump in, this podcast is here today because of Element. If you're active or following a whole foods diet, you need to be thinking about electrolyte replacement. You can take it from me who did it wrong for many years. Electrolytes are important because water absorption in your body is dependent upon the absorption of key electrolytes like sodium, magnesium, and potassium. So here's the deal. You lose your electrolytes when you sweat and when you go to the bathroom. And those electrolytes have to be replaced through diet and supplementation. And if you're following a whole foods diet, which I know a lot of us are here, it's naturally low in sodium and you can be chronically deficient in electrolytes. And that can show up as dizziness or muscle cramps, headaches, fatigue, and even sleep disturbances, especially on workout days, which was my personal experience. So Element makes grab-and-go electrolyte replacement supplementation. You take an Element Recharge packet, mix it up with water and sip. There is absolutely no sugar, gluten, fillers, artificial ingredients, and it's paleo friendly and it tastes so dang good. Like, I just look forward to that now after I work out and I actually take a couple of um, a handful of branched chain amino acids after my workouts now with the element. And I just, it's just made such a difference. But we'll get to the branched chain amino acids at another time. I no longer feel like super thirsty or empty throughout the day. I don't have the dizziness that I used to when I would go from sitting to standing post-workout. And just as a tip, when you're drinking it, mix it with 16 ounces of water, but start, if it starts to become too concentrated, like at the bottom as you start to get to the end, just add a little bit more water and ice if needed and then sip. Uh, grab a free sample pack of Element. Again, it's element So go to drink lmnt.com forward slash wellfed. All you have to do is pay for shipping. You'll get eight packets in there. Again, that's drinklmnt.com forward slash wellfed. Click on get yours and grab yourself some packets. And then that link will also get you the buy three boxes, get one free, which is what we do now. Hey, Stefani. Hi. Did you get your supplements in? <laughs> some. <laughs> I did. Took yeah. my sups, my morning sups. The most the most important supplement I'm taking right now is kidney, actually. That's the that's my fave. Um, what do you mean kidney? Like desiccated kidney. Okay. That's what I thought you meant. Yeah. I was like, uh, okay, cool. Yeah, it turns out it's got like lots of vitamins, but it also has um the enzyme Dow in it, which my body doesn't make as much of as other bodies genetically. And, and that that's important. Helps with histamine. That helps with histamine. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's uh it's great. I love it. Yeah. yeah now that I that's... know a lot about histamine, I feel like that is a lot of your symptoms are histamine related. Yeah, it's like my whole life. Yeah, it's just it's just so funny. I'm like and, and every once in a while I'm like I feel like I'm managing it like properly or whatever. I'm like, is this how other people feel all the time? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people like in in our audience are familiar with that feeling, you know, when you sort of uh, maybe, you know, change your the way you're eating or figure something out about your health or whatever. And you're like, wow, like mm-hmm. <laughs> people people feel like this, like pain free is like this or more energy is like this or no brain fog is like this. Yeah, it's pretty it's it's cool. Or sleeping. Is sleeping. Like this. <laughs> 
<laughs> I slept eight hours last night. I woke up. I was like, wow, I'm going to I'm going to podcast on eight hours of sleep. Jeez. Watch yeah. out, folks. Are you are you waking out, up now? <laughs> like mediocre content from Steph. <laughs> We're giving Just you kidding. a break from our our basic stuff. Um, <laughs> so are you sleeping at normal hours now or, or are I'm you? Not. No, <laughs> not yet. So uh, big news for anybody who doesn't follow me on Insta. I got a job. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is starting a week from today, actually. So I haven't started the job yet. And uh, I'm doing a lot of not job stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like dancing? Is that what you're saying? Like staying dancing, up late? Maybe like staying up late, like, you know, breaking all the rules or I'll like stay up late reading because I can. And um, I still I'm, I'm not sure what my hours and stuff will be, uh, but mm-hmm. there will be a job in a week. Cool. Maybe you'll even get some dating in. We can hear about that. We used to hear about your dating life, and now we're just left hanging. I will not stop dating. I've been dating a lot. I've been on so many Bumble dates since I got to Boston, and I've been dancing. So, yeah. Yeah. Get some. Okay. Uh, my only announcement is my new website is live. Have you clicked the link in the sh- in that I've put in our document? Oh, I'm so excited. Everybody, wait. You're going to get my reaction in, in real time. <laughs> okay. I didn't know Hang if you'd on. already clicked, so this is good. No, we're going right now. We're going right now. Here we go. I've been watching on Instagram, like, with bated breath, you know. Coconuts. I did notice we got new colors for the podcast. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Listen on what we're talking about. Hormones, nutrition, body image, diet trends, gut health, stress management. That is the stuff. Aww. I love that photo oh my goodness. Of us. Did, did you have to change every single podcast image? <laughs> I had to change absolutely everything. No, like every no, I just updated 150 episodes. Okay. Mm, gosh, no. <laughs> Y'all, like, I can't you you might think that you could like hit a button and update all the images at once. You would mm. have to create the new image, go into the back end, open the post, up, you know, it's just it would take forever. It would take well, months. This is beautiful coconutsandkettlebell.com everybody oh <laughs> so, i love the mustard yellow accents <laughs> yeah i love that yellow so now with the so coconuts and kettlebells got a whole whole thing right a whole whatever refresh yep. um redesign but the podcast page is what i'm really excited about so now when you go to coconutsandkettlebells.com.com and you click podcast at the top it's the well-fed women like almost like a home page And what I had to do, and I think I've already talked about it here. I know I've definitely complained about this on Instagram. It's sort of like if you just your whole life for like, let's say, seven years, (laughs) maybe six, you're writing things on paper and you're like taking notes and then you just threw them in a file and everything went into the same file. And then you're like, but now how do I know how to get to which thing, which piece of paper? So that's basically what I had been doing with podcast episodes and um and even just all my all my blog posts so what i did is i went back created about 20 to 25 different categories and it just kind of i had to kind of brainstorm and figure out okay what so for example adrenal fatigue is a category diet trends is a category because i was trying to figure out we talk about you know keto and like random thing apple cider vinegar shots like random things what is that called we talk about skin health we talk about thyroid health we talk about sleep so i created these categories and then had to go back one by one and say okay what's this episode number one is a b and c category because like these episodes all have multiple categories so now on the homepage, there is a search episodes by topic section which makes me so happy and people can actually find content. So, for example, when you're in the Facebook group and you're saying, I really want you to talk about pregnancy, I'll say, hey, go to the search episodes by topic and click on pregnancy because I've talked about it a lot. But it was years and years ago when I was pregnant and we were doing a lot of pregnancy episodes. So I'm raising the roof. I'm really excited. Excited about it. Yeah, it's beautiful. Go take a look. I pulled mm. some reviews that you guys left and they're just so, so nice. I didn't see that bit. Wait. Oh, insightful and empowering. Just the podcast I needed. The best podcast. That's fair. (laughs) These are people's actual titles. Accurate accurate assessment. (laughs) 
the best podcast. Thank you so much. You know, there's like, who has podcasts these days? Everyone. Everyone. Does Zendaya have a podcast? She doesn't, I don't think. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. The best podcast. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm excited about that. And the website was you know, we're going to talk about burnout and l- let me talk to you about burnout. This was like writing a book because it's just it, it like, as you know, stuff, this is a whole new theme. And I screwed up royally like what I was doing before because I basically jerry rigged a-, <laughs> a website. I was like, I'm not paying anybody like I'm doing this myself. But then you just get deeper and deeper and deeper into a hole. And I was using this theme um, for people who don't like know how a website is built. You initially have to like pay for the land. That's your uh, host, like where you're going to actually put your data, your website data, because it's it's actual information and traffic coming to your website is is more data, is more information. So you have to have it stored somewhere. Then you have to have like the house and that is like WordPress or Squarespace, you know, that that's like who who says, OK, we're going to build you a house. And then the theme is like the interior decorator. Now, I had a theme that had all these different features so like i would i would build things into the theme so that if you take away the theme there is no more content so i basically had to rebuild like like almost all of pretty much every single page so that just it we got a little little bit of a late launch but i'm super happy with what it is and hopefully now going forward things are much easier to navigate like recipes and all that so And I'm just really excited about the podcast stuff. Because, I mean, we're almost at 350 episodes. I know. It's crazy. Although, you know, I I don't remember how long ago it was that we, like, cut me out. (laughs) I don't (laughs) remember. In a very mutually supportive decision that was good for everybody's flourishing. I don't remember when that was. Yeah. So you have, like, ventured forth in a lot of, uh, you know... With a lot of innovation and effort that I haven't, <laughs> that I just haven't been a part of. So, yeah, it's been 350 and I've been with you the whole time, but I haven't, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it was uh. probably like a year and a half ago or something. I don't know. I remember it was like when you were coming up on either, I can't remember. It was like kind Finishing of. Finishing my PhD. Yeah, you were yeah. just about to finish it. And you're like, uh. Right. I don't, I don't and know. you were, oh, and you were going to have And math. I was about to have a baby. Yeah. 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 So, so I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, I don't know. It's probably been like a hundred episodes. <laughs> yeah, long but time. it's been a long time. And but, you know, every other. So it's just been interviews. But then every other week has always been us. I mean, the begin. I mean, the first 250 were were us and we would both be on interviews. And I was like, I don't think we need to do this. <laughs> Because, because we, yeah, I remember that. We, we would try to both coordinate our schedules and both do interviews, which I think has a purpose. Like I like I, there are some of them where I really like sitting down and talking, like having a conversation. But when you really get into the nitty gritty with interviews, it's actually kind of hard to do it with like three people there, um, especially with more professional people, people who are doctors or whatever. And they're not like, hey, let's sit down and hang out, you know, <laughs> like like we yeah. used to do with. Who was our first um, Tony? That was fun. Our first interview. Oh, Federico. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Long time ago. All right. So we memory we, lane, fam. We moved into into a more professional way of, you know, providing content because all these people decided to have podcasts, and we were like, oh, great. <laughs> 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 now we have. Yeah, now there's a standard. But don't worry, guys. We're still still totally cash here. It's pretty much not going to change. You're not yeah. you're not going to force us into formality um, any more so than what we've been doing. But uh, yeah, I, I I just 350. I can't believe it. I mean, well, we're not there quite yet. But it when you look back on the amount of content and just the research and the topics and everything that we've covered, like that is just a lot. So. I'm very happy to have it all organized now. Do you have any other announcements before we get into questions? Because I do know we have quite a few things to discuss. No. Okay. So this first question is from Maya, and she says, how do you deal with burnout from work, particularly when from a practical and financial standpoint, and you can't take time off or get a new job? 
Great question. Very important. Um, yeah, so if you can't do that, then I would sort of break it up into a few different categories, right? I would look at um, taking care of myself outside of work, how I can minimize stress at work, and how I can perhaps you know, transition between the two, right? So if I end up feeling burned out or what have you, I'm able to let it go. I think that's really important. Um, you know, we talk so much about self-care these days. It's, you know, it's we talk about it all the time. For me, the most important aspect of self-care is organizing my life to reduce my stress and my emotional and physical burden, right? Like self-care is doing the things to uh, make my life like you know easier if i can yeah um taking care in big ways right like you know some might say treat yourself have a little dessert or whatever have some of this or have some of that and um sure but i'm a or you know have a spa day <laughs> but i'm I'm a, I'm a really really big fan of like concrete changes if we can possibly make them uh, because like our bodies do respond to environments, situations that aren't ideal for us. And we can keep doing a lot of this stuff like spa days and yoga, or meditating, what have you. And those things are important because, you know, life is life and will always be challenging. But uh, whatever we can do to stop that upregulation from happening in the first place is is really uh, helpful. You know, it's really helpful. So um, whatever you can do. <laughs> to help yourself in that way would be great. And so I would look at um, the workplace. I would look at my work relationships. I would look at the ways in which my meetings are scheduled. The physical setup of my environment is obviously very important to me. So it varies in importance to other people. Um, are you an introvert? Are you an extrovert? Do you work best seeing people a lot? Might you feel a little bit less stressed if you had more alone time, right? Or maybe if you had uh, better access to your boss or less access to your boss, like <laughs> all this sort of stuff uh, can or can you delegate, right? We talk about burnout. Uh, can we talk about setting boundaries at work? Man, I can't, can't even begin to tell you, fam, like how many people in my life struggle with saying no in the workplace and have to take classes on it or get coaching on it or something because it's so hard. And that applies to all of life, of course. Um, but, you know, our burdens falling onto your shoulders that don't necessarily need to be there. And can you talk with uh, the people in your company about institutional support, about bringing on more employees, maybe. I think a lot of people have really high workloads right now because of the way the workforce has been, you know, shifting throughout the last year or so. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's really, really, really hard. It can be. Um, and so looking for institutional support for things that you can change about your environment or your habits or who you see throughout the day. Maybe there are people who like stress you out. Can you avoid them? <laughs> Can you can you change your your patterns? Is are there things you can do in that sense? Maybe email is really draining for you, but communicating on a more uh, synchronous. Uh, <laughs> sorry, now that I'm like now that I have a job, I'm like you know communicating on a more in a more with more synchronous media. Um, like Slack or something, right? Like a, like a social media, like a messaging app. Um, it's just, it's funny. And part of my job is actually looking at like workplace design, which is, which is why I'm thinking about this right now a lot. Um, but so, um, all those things are really important, you know? Um, and I would look at that. I would look at my personal life then, uh, and get rid of as much stress as possible. Cause if I'm carrying burnout from somewhere else that I can't get rid of, like, how can I streamline my life? Can I delegate other responsibilities that I have with my family, with my whatever, or share, right? Not delegate, but share. Um, can I uh, ask for help? Can I change a schedule with my family, right? Can I do X, Y, and Z things? Can I add an extracurricular activity that makes me laugh and feel light and free? Ooh, you know, like, <laughs> might be hard, but if I can, like, it, you know, that could be really beneficial in some ways. Uh, and then I would try really hard to leave work at work, I would say. Um, set those boundaries as hard as you can. <laughs> like, I, I will not be available on email after 6 p.m., period. 
you know, if you want me to be, pay, pay me to be or something right over the weekend, or I will only work one weekend or we all have different schedules, but, um, doing whatever you can to transition away from work, taking three minutes to do a breathing exercise could be really helpful at the end of the day to let the stress slide off and then transition and do things that just really have your mind off of it, that are really engaging, that are really fun, that are really loving, if you can, right? Just step away, um, put it away when you can. Those are the kinds of things that I would be doing. Yeah, essentially, that's like looking at your foundations and saying, okay, this is I'm experiencing chronic burnout, which is this is a serious form of stress. And you're saying, okay, what else in my life is stressing me out? And how can I manage that? And that's essentially what I do when I'm experiencing certain times, of, you know, whether that's being burnt out from a job, you can love your job and still be burnt out from it. So it's, you know, I think there are nurses who are burnt out. There are CEOs who are burnt out. There are entrepreneurs who are burnt out. Um, there are people like me who are trying to, you know, launch a website and I get I have weeks where I'm just completely burnt out from it. So, um, you know, hating your job is one thing. And if you do, that's a toxic environment that you need to proactively be seeking, uh, you know, how to remove yourself from. But I do think as, you know, women in the workforce, but also as adults, like we have to figure out and know what our priorities are. And when we start to experience burnout or work gets very heavy or, you know, we just we have a hard time managing the stress that comes from our jobs, we have to know what other things we need to do to be able to make sure that we're not tipped over the edge and our health declines and our mental health and anxiety and sleep and all that declines. So, for me, it means really prioritizing sleep because if your sleep goes, then everything else goes. So less screens, less social media, because we know how social media can impact your mental and emotional health. L less high intensity workouts on particularly stressful weeks. I just don't work out. I will walk outside or stretch, stretch, but that's it. So strip away that high intensity stuff. You can still, of course, work out because I think that that's very stress relieving, but I wouldn't pile on more stress. And I certainly wouldn't try to get up early in the morning and do it to and shorten your sleep. Less commitments on the weekends. As parents, this is hard because I do feel like I actually sometimes I'm a little bit more stressed from my weekend than I am from the week because we have church and we work at church and we have, you know, things that we want to do as a family. Now, they're not super stressful, but you bring in two toddlers and it all becomes really annoying. So, you know, you you envision having like, well, let's go to here. Let's run a few errands and then we'll go to the pumpkin patch and it just turns into, you know, you know, you guys know, you know how it is. So... <laughs> When you have, you know, a two-year-old, four-year-old or whatever, six-year-old, it's just, it becomes a lot. And you can get, you know, my patience gets tried a lot as a mom. And I find myself getting frustrated and losing my cool. And then I can, like, it kind of ruins the day if, you know, I let it. So... I think you have to reduce your commitments on the weekends. You have to give yourself time to decompress and make snacks and food for yourself in bulk so that you're easing the, the load throughout the rest of the week. Use resources like grocery delivery. We definitely do that. Um, and then bring in all the stress reduction. So red light therapy, blue light blocking lenses at night are an absolute must if I'm not wearing them at night my sleep and just I can even tell my anxiety and my stress is much higher. So those go on right at eight o'clock. So I loved Steph. I loved your idea of creating boundaries at work. And I'd be really interested to hear how things shift for you and how you like how you adapt now in in a in a job that where you're, you know, in an environment where you're working with other people and you're coordinating with other people and it may or may not be people you end up liking, you know? And so seeing my husband go through a lot of this has been hard because he's been in very toxic situations, both with his boss and both just corporate culture. And ultimately, we had to get out of a, situ a situation, but for him, it impacted everything about him when he was in a toxic environment. 
Um, and that was very different, very different from being burnt out or stressed. So like what he's doing now, absolutely loves, but he is working all the time and, and you know, burnt out. But it makes a huge difference that he actually enjoys the work that he's doing. And of course, he tries to, you know, manage the stress and I think set boundaries is really important with with people, you know, with you have to be able to say, I'm not going to respond to this or no, I'm not going to pick up your call, which is really hard to do. But you do. You have the right to to set boundaries and create those boundaries and hold those boundaries. You're you're performing. You're an employee. You're not like a 24 seven assistant. So unless you've signed up for that, you know, for like a celebrity, but most of us aren't right. We're, we're, we're set to do a task and work is work and home life is home life. So you can definitely um, establish those boundaries, too. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, question number two is from Denise. Aging gracefully, preparing the body for perimenopause. I'm 43 and have regular periods, but starting with hot episodes and weight gain in the tummy area. I've heard other podcasts mention that decreased calories are useful when hitting this time of life, is this BS? Still lift weights and want to build muscle. Denise, why are you listening to other podcasts? Just kidding. <laughs> Didn't you know this is the best this is podcast? The only one that she's This made. is the best podcast. Um, <laughs> the <laughs> best podcast. Thank you, whoever wrote that. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, um, nice. So, uh, aging gracefully. Uh, very interesting. Uh, very interesting. It's we there's a lot that goes on uh, as our hormone profiles uh, shift. And given the way our society is, there's very little surprise to me that it focuses so much on weight distribution and weight gain. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, but there's a lot there that I think uh, really needs uh, unpacking. So it is uh, quite common for the distribution of the body fat you carry to change moving into menopause. Some people do report gaining body fat, uh, but the most common thing that is talked about and looked at is a shift from what we might call more stereotypically female fat storage locations like the hips into the abdomen. And uh, this happens primarily because uh, your you know, your body, your ovaries are no longer producing hormones that might signal you to store fat in those places. So it kind of it kind of shifts around a little bit. Um, and this is OK. <laughs> this is OK. It's uh, it's fat in the abdomen has been linked to uh, a wide variety of potential health issues right? Uh, this visceral fat that surrounds uh, your organs, but uh, a little bit, right? And maintaining body fat, period, is not necessarily a bad thing. Something I want to bring up about menopause is that uh, when your ovaries stop producing uh, estrogen, uh, there are a few places left where your body will make it and sorry, uh, stop or slow down a, a whole lot. <laughs> Um, your body still produces estrogen in your fat cells. Very interesting. And so if you hold on to some body fat through menopause, it can actually help you deal with all the other menopausal symptoms uh, like hot flashes, say, for example, or disrupted sleep or issues that you might develop with bone density uh, if, if that ends up being a problem for you moving through menopause. Um, all of these things, if you have uh, fat cells, uh, might be helped a little bit because they'll be producing estrogen. So that's uh, that's really important to keep an eye out for and think about when we're looking at um, fat. A lot of people, there's a really big discussion, lots of conversation about, you know, estrogen supplementation and hormone replacement therapy. The jury is out and it seems to be a little risky in a lot of ways. And so I personally might steer clear of that, or if I did it, do it on a very short time scale while I'm looking at other options. Um, and of course, there are somewhat more uh, natural options like adding a bunch of soy to your diet or like a little bit. How about a little bit? <laughs> like adding a little bit. I would always, you know, I have a really hard time moderating 
but <laughs> adding a little bit of um, soy, say, um, or you can try seed cycling, which, you know, people try to uh, have different kinds of seeds with different amounts of uh, phyto plant estrogens in them to sort of mimic an estrogen you know, a, a menstrual cycle. You can do all of those kinds of things. You can also try um, a lower carb diet. I know if you're if you're concerned about uh, gaining weight or where your weight is going, if you can keep your insulin levels, you know, uh, in check. But you don't need lower carb necessarily to do that. Um, but uh, if you want to experiment with it, it could um, maybe help. Uh, transition, like you said, um, or give you uh, some data about what kind of diet might, you know, what kind of way of eating might be good for you. I think most importantly, um, the decline of estrogen is linked to um, oxidative stress. And so this is a really great time to boost your uh, antioxidant intake, your uh, anti-inflammatory stuff, all the stuff in your diet that has to do with that. Um, vitamin C may actually boost uh, estrogen levels in the body and antioxidant supplementation or in your diets can help with oxidative stress. So both vitamin C and vitamin E have been shown to reduce the intensity and number of hot flashes, um, which I think is great. And interesting, I really like uh, liposomal vitamin C, which I was uh, taking as uh, Noel and I were hopping on this call. Uh, and I think that can uh, that can go a long way. You know, we don't often think about uh, antioxidants for menopause, but I'm huge on it, and I'm huge on anti-inflammatory. Um, especially again, something that I've been working on a lot personally. I think it, it can be so important. And so, integrating a rainbow of vegetables and a high polyphenol olive oil, and uh, making sure that you're you know eating your salads with plenty of fat, you know, healthy fat and uh, colors uh, that would be great. Also, of course, finally, I will say lifting weights. Yeah, lift weights throughout life. This is uh, really, really yeah. good. Yeah, really, really, <laughs> really good for you in so many ways, in so many ways, like it helps your brain stay healthy. I can't. That's the mm -hmm. most important thing. That's the, the most important thing for me. Um, as I continue as I will continue to age. Um, physical activity has, of course, been shown to help alleviate menopause symptoms. And um, yeah, so I'm just a really, really big fan of staying physically active. Find an activity that you enjoy. I, I say that, but it's true. Just like move and then also, but like lift heavy things. Lifting mm -hmm. heavy things will help keep your brain healthy and help reduce um, menopausal symptoms, I think. And also, of course, with more muscle mass, you know, we talk so much about these like, quote unquote, natural things that happen as you age, your metabolism slows down, you get weak, everything falls apart, everything starts to hurt, yada, yada, yada. And yeah, like we've all been here for many years and longer, and there is wear and tear on our bodies. But uh, these things aren't as inevitable as we talk about them, right? Like you mm -hmm. can stay strong, you can stay energetic, you can stay robust. Um, it just like it, it requires maintenance. I think about like car maintenance, you know, like it will fall apart if you, you know what I mean? You got to change the oil or, you know, it's a metaphor. It's not, it's a metaphor. So um, I'm a really, really, really big fan um, of that. Oh, there's an Instagram account I really love um, called Train with Joan. Uh, Joan is in her mid seventies and she does a lot of weightlifting and she's very inspiring. So I would check out Joan if you want to be inspired about, you know, the rest of life. Okay. Train with Joan. If I don't do this now, I just do won't. not know who Joan, you got to go find Joan. Oh my goodness. I found no. Joan. Wow. How do I not have, do, how do I not know Joan? Wow. I, I do a lot less scrolling on Insta than you think. I, I more just look at the same five people's stories and then post. Thank you. So, it's an honor. Whenever I, whenever Noel responds to one of my DMs, I'm like, thank you so much. <laughs> no, <laughs> such an honor. <laughs> no, it's not responding to your DMs. No, you're just it, busy, you know. Just, I know that. I watch your stories. It's you. It's a couple people from my church. It's Liz. It's uh, that's about it. There you go. That's the <laughs> okay. So anyway, um, I always love watching your stories because I get to see your fashion now. <laughs> but now I'm following Trade with Joan. 
And I'm so on that train with you because as I get older and as I, you know, I spend about a year not really working out, not being able to move because of back pain. And I just learn time and time again. I do think why our society is not aging well is because our body deteriorates quite literally. We're not lifting. We're not moving functionally. We are not training. We're not improving our insulin sensitivity with workouts, and we're not increasing balance and flexibility and stability with strength training. The last thing I want in my life is for my body to deteriorate. And I saw it deteriorate when I was having severe back pain and I and I couldn't work out. And, you know, I just, it, things got so, so overwhelming when I had a newborn. And once I was able to finally get back into PT, even though it might, you know, it was a little bit uncomfortable and it was painful in the beginning. I pushed on and pushed on for years. And now I'm at this place where my body is strong again. I don't have back pain. I can easily bend and move and I feel resilient. And I just, I'm reminded constantly of how important that is for our bodies as we age and as we go through these life stressors. And so I know it's easy to jump on the train and get on this like, oh, everything's, you know, because of this, you know, everything's because of gluten or whatever. I I do, I, fi- I find myself more and more feeling that way about strength training and just regular exercise in general for all the things it does for your mental health, your immune system, you know, you know, your, your chronic pain. So anyway, I'm totally on that train. I will just say perimenopause, It's not menopause. So just to clarify what we're talking about, it's a transitional time that happens to every woman when her ovaries start producing less estrogen and progesterone. It doesn't have to be awful. It doesn't have to be gut-wrenching. But the annoying thing is it happens over the course of potentially 10 years or so. It's you ne- you don't reach menopause until you haven't had a, your period for a full 12 months. So it's sort of that wind down, just like puberties that wind into reproduction. It's a wind down. And those symptoms can go on forever, like irregular periods and all that kind of stuff. And that's why it's so annoying is because it's kind of all over the place and it's it can go on for a really long time. Now, if you are not 40 yet... And you start experiencing symptoms of perimenopause, don't assume that you're just starting perimenopause early. Chronic stress, which leads to elevated cortisol levels and other hormone imbalances, can actually mimic perimenopause symptoms. So really, you're not if unless you're 40, you're not you're not like experiencing symptoms of early menopause. You're experiencing symptoms of hormone imbalances. So symptoms are irregular cycles, shorter long cycles, weight gain, hot flashes, sleep disturbances, mood changes, vaginal dryness, all the fun things. Um, but I think the good news is that you can do so many things right now in your 30s. If you're reducing influence, I mean, all the things that we talk about on this podcast are essentially ways in which you are supporting proper hormone function and proper hormone excretion. Uh, you're reducing inflammation with a, you know, anti-inflammatory diet. You're getting all of those veggies, you know, micronutrients, um, eating grass-fed meats. Iron is very important. Fat-soluble vitamins, egg yolks, um, and you get fat-soluble vitamins from high-quality meats. And that is just so crucial for bone health and hormone balancing. Um, You want to support your body's detoxification processes with things like leafy greens and B vitamins. And if you're eating big salads and, you know, just engaging with vegetables in the way that, you know, we all pretty much do here, like you're doing sheet pans and chilies and stuff like that, where you're just incorporating fresh vegetables, you're going to be getting a lot of those um, nutrients that are needed to help support the excretion of hormones. Um, And so if you do all of that in your 30s, your body's going to be able to manage the hormone changes much better when perimenopause begins. So if you're dealing with serious hormone imbalances now, this is why we're passionate about not using the pill as a a long-term method to cover those up, but dealing with the root cause now because you're going to set yourself up for success for the rest of your life. And when we're talking about estrogen and estrogen dominance and excreting estrogen, like that's really, really important. So 
natural ways to support your body through perimenopause when you get there. Stop obsessing over tracking your cycles because it's just going to drive you nuts. Uh, sleep and support melatonin production. So get to bed early. Make sure you're wearing your blue block sleep glasses if you need. Do whatever you need to get some good sleep. And if that means going to bed before everybody else, you do you. Reduce your cortisol and manage your stress. So that means really taking a look at every aspect of your life. So you need to get serious about what you need to cut back on and how to de-stress. So are you over-obligated? Are you juggling too much? Are you overdoing it at the gym? You need to start asking for help and you need to deal with unresolved trauma. If you're still dealing with depression and anxiety and unresolved trauma, you need to you need to work on that. You need to be get serious about processing through that with professionals and like manage be able to manage those things. Anxiety for for one. Um eliminate alcohol because you just want your liver to be able to excrete the hormones that it needs to excrete. And also, research shows that it actually can make night sweats and hot flashes worse, and it also can disrupt your sleep. So as much as, you know, it's nice to have a glass of wine or whatever, just, you know, sometimes it's one of those things that's just worth it to kind of cut it out to feel better. Stay off the scale. Weight fluctuations are okay. This is a season. Steph touched on that really well. Eat an anti-inflammatory diet and reduce sugar. Okay, so let's talk about the carb thing. So there's like, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, go keto. It's what you do when you hit perimenopause and menopause. And I get that. And I do think that there is good research that shows that reducing carbohydrates can be helpful. Uh, As far as like cutting your calories and cutting carbohydrates, I'm not sure where that, like the cutting the calories thing came from. But yeah, your metabolism does slow down. But eat according to your hunger's your hunger and your needs. That's not going to change. You keep keep an intuitive relationship with your body and take note of these changes and these symptoms and when certain symptoms happen based on what you do. Uh, you know, like if you do drink alcohol and you have worse, like you're, you struggle with your sleep, like that's something to take note of. Um, and it might be time to tinker with carbohydrates. So just experiment with reducing the ratio of carbohydrates in your diet. You don't need to eliminate them, but just say, okay, maybe I start incorporating more fats and a little bit less carbohydrate and see how my body responds. Supplements. Um, I know that there are a couple supplements that, again, these are the foundations. I wouldn't start with supplements. I never, and we never recommend that, but I do think it's nice for tweaks. Magnesium is really important. You can use things like ashwagandha, rhodiola to manage stress. Also vitamin C, which Steph talked about, which I think is really big. Uh, For anxiety, both L-theanine and holy basil have have been shown to be helpful. I love L-theanine. I take it every night and it really does help with sleep. Um, for hot flashes and night sweats, there's something called black cohosh that's can be good. So these are little things that you can experiment based experiment with based on your own individual symptoms because I do feel like individual women deal with different symptoms, you know, more aggressively or or just more intensely than than others. Uh, so you can experiment with supplements. Now. I th- there is one controversial area, and I don't know how, what you feel about this, Steph. So he- I-, I would love to get your thoughts on this. There are two schools, and maybe you don't have any thoughts, and that's totally fine, but there are two schools of thought and about training during for perimenopause and menopause. So typically what you'll see recommended is weight training, yay weight training, and more less stressful forms of exercise. Things like walking and swimming and stuff like that. High-intensity interval training may work during this time. It may. It has been shown in studies to improve insulin sensitivity and body composition for women in this perimenopause stage. However, I think... Okay, so the the, um, controversy here is that some people are like... Yes, do high-intensity interval training. Other experts are like, no, don't. And I think where, as I kind of was digging into this before we started recording, 
And I think that what is being misrepresented here is that a lot of people think of high intensity interval training and they think of the things that they were able to do when they were 20 or 30. And we're thinking about these longer workouts or CrossFit, things that are a little bit more intense. Whereas I think that there is a place for high intensity interval training in your, you know, 40s and 50s. I think that it could it's going to need to be lower impact because speed kills, right? So here, I don't think, I don't think that when you're approaching menopause, you're going to b- want to be doing like hill sprints because that can really quickly lead to injury. And if you're already, you know, dealing with bone density issues, or you know, or you're just your body is not going to be as um, agile. You're not going to want to do that sort of stuff at that age. I think that what you can do, however, is a lot of non-impact or low-impact stuff like you can do stuff on the bike or you could swim. Um, that sort of intent. You could do intervals, right? So we're going to do some efforts where we go hard and then we're going to rest in between. I think that there can be a place for that. I think the research shows that that we can you know, manage our our stress. And if we keep those workouts short, that's going to be beneficial. Um, However, some people are like, well, you're not managing cortisol if you're doing high intensity interval training, because that is, you know, high intensity, you don't need to do that, that, you know, when you're already struggle, struggling with your sleep and hot flashes and all stuff. I totally get that. And I hear that. So I think that it may not be right for everybody. And I think it may be right for others, especially if somebody's was more athletic through their entire life. Maybe they, you know, weight trained and they did some sprint stuff like in their 30s and early 40s. And it's just something I think it it can work, but it has to be shorter. So you're not going to be doing 30 to 45 minute rides with intervals and stuff in it. It's going to be like shorter efforts, five minutes here, you know, a 10 minute workout here on the bike where you have some pickups and intervals. And it's not going to go too long to where cortisol is, is going to run amok. Um, so those are that's my thoughts. I don't know if you have any on that. Yeah, I definitely think sticking with intensity is not a problem. I think sometimes we might, right? You, I mean, you talk so much about how important rest is and how mm-hmm. mus- muscles are built in times of rest. So, yeah, yeah, no, I keep intense. Find a way to keep intensity. You know, like there are there are ways you can modify the heck out of anything. <laughs> Uh, I Amen. mean, not everything, but we can't all like, I don't know, some things can't really be modified, like running. <laughs> I tried running for a month and then, and then I had shin splints for, uh, you know, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can't, I I'm know. not a runner. I'm not a runner. I'm, I made, I, but, um, yeah, I'm absolutely, yeah, I'm absolutely with you. I really think, um, weightlifting and cardio can be great for you forever. Just you, take care of yourself. Um, I like your thing about, you know, low impact or, um, yeah, you know, I don't do hill sprints. <laughs> I don't. Gosh. So um, and, but I, body. yeah, but I do other, I just don't, I, I just don't want to. So I don't, <laughs> so many reasons. There's that too. Don't do things so, you don't want to. So many reasons, but I do, I do lift weights most mornings. Right. And, uh, sometimes my, I, sometimes it's, you know, you can get like a pretty intense workout just from standing there moving weights. Uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Okay. I'll stop. I agree with you. That's great. Bye. Cool. So this question is from Allie. She says, can you talk about tactful ways to approach friends with ideas that could help their health when they bring up something that's bothering them? Is there a way to do this? I love this question so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is my life. <laughs> I do. I, I was like, I feel like we both have a lot of experience in this area. I can't. I'm like, I write books on this. Not like that necessarily qualifies me because you know, there's plenty of books that say things I don't I don't necessarily agree with. But like, yeah. OK, so I, I spend so much time thinking about this. Um, I'll try to be brief because our time always. Um, <laughs> so I will often tell people like, hey, I've done a fair amount of reading about this. I understand 
the landscape of like I, I a lot of opinions. Like I know a lot of different opinions. I do have an opinion. I've done a lot of reading about this. If you want to chat this through, I would love to chat it through with you because you're offering to somebody to walk with them through a process and not just saying you're doing it wrong. You should be doing it like this. Right. So mm-hmm. that's one. Um, two I statements, right? My experience has been, if you're talking about this with somebody, my point of view, the reading that I've done, and here's why, like I can back it up. But again, people uh, are immediate. I mean, talking about food is like religion and politics these days, right? Like everybody's got a strong opinion and it's very easy to be defensive. And so uh, one of the most important things you can do is not put people on the defensive. And that's by speaking from your own personal experience and by offering as opposed to just telling people they're wrong or implying that they're, you know, stupid or what have you, right? Anything like you, that's just, that's not going to get you anywhere. Uh, I think that that's really important. And then um, there's two more points I want to make and they're interconnected. One is that people will not make changes unless they're ready. Like period, period. I cannot, (laughs) I cannot tell you, like they're just people, they just won't, people don't in any way. And I've been, we've all been there where, we personally have made a change and been like, wow, I could have done this so long ago, but I wasn't ready. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. And so being supportive of people, you know, telling them you understand if you ever want to talk about this someday, like I'm here, that sort of thing um, is just really important so that then they know they can come to you when they're ready to make a change. And then the final point I want to make is, um, <laughs> something I, I I spend a lot of time doing this, which is laying the groundwork, <laughs> laying the ideological groundwork for somebody to um, be even open to doing something about you know their health or how they're eating or what have you. Because there's uh, there's a lot of sentiments in our society, and I would I would say a lot of like false beliefs or assumptions uh, that sort of prevent people from getting to the point where they want to make a change. So like. Most people are looking for a quick fix, right? Like they just want their problem to be over. Maybe they'll go get a pill to go to a doctor who will give them like an answer and they won't have to question it. Um, it might be good to have conversations about why you think quick fixes like aren't necessarily quick fixes, right? Like why being on the birth control pill isn't necessarily going to help you manage your PCOS or what what have you, right? Like, mm-hmm. because here's another thing. <laughs> Most people don't think very much about the fact that the body is made out of what you eat, but it is, right? And so people just think like health problems happen, right? They're inevitable. Health problems happen. Like you age and health problems happen. And oh no, like how did this happen? Which is so bizarre to me. I'll just say, I'll <laughs> let myself say that to you. I don't say this to the people I'm talking to, but like Sometimes they're caused <laughs> about by these kinds of things that are outside of your control. You couldn't have predicted. Genetics are very complicated. We still have a very limited understanding of the body, right? So, like, there is a lot there that that is kind of hard, you know, hard to get our hands around. But um, things are caused, and so you might want to like just have conversations about that, like. We are made out of the things we eat. Like things happen with the body. We might be, and people often be like, "Oh, it's genetic." we are genetically predisposed maybe to something, but that doesn't mean that, you know, that it necessarily has to be that way. And if it, it, that it can't be managed, um, like why my throat sounds so scratchy because I, um, had some histamine containing foods last night. Right. So, um, which is why, by the way, uh, and then, uh, we want to talk about bioindividuality and getting to know your body, I think that like people often ask me like, what's the most important thing for being, people always ask me like, what do you do? What do you do? Mm-hmm. I study <laughs> the body. Like I learn about how bodies respond to things and then I get to know myself. Like I study the body and I study my body and I pay attention and I take care of it, right? Like all bodies are different and, uh, but there was a lot of knowledge to be learned about the ways in which we're the same and then also ways in which we're different. And I try to sort of, these are groundwork ideas that people, uh, people need to buy into in order to even start making changes with their, with their health and fitness, you know? So, um, yeah, so that's some stuff. Yeah. I like that. I, it's hard. And I think, you know, it may be different, a little different for Steph and I, because we actually kind of do this for a living. So maybe we talk about it a little bit more on our Instagram or whatever. And so people might perceive us as 
oh, she she may know. And it's not it's not as like out of the blue for us to say to somebody like, hey, you know, can I send you some resources or whatever? But I, I get it. I think it's hard. I think with I think what you said about you just can't change people and people aren't going to make changes when they're ready is first and foremost, the most important thing to remember. I if you I kind of have this general idea with friends and that is if you don't ask for my opinion then i can just assume that you don't want it i'm not looking especially in my old age mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm not looking to go and give my opinion to people i just it's now that's funny cuz that's all i do here on the podcast but it's not something i bring into my personal relationships and it's not something i'm going to bring into any relationship unless you want if you, unless you ask my opinion for something then just get ready but if you don't ask my opinion i'm not interested in giving it to you. I'm not interested in trying to convince you to make some change that may or may not be right for you. I think we have to remember that we are not like other people have many different things going on when it comes to their own personal health or their children's health. And even though to us, it's like, oh, this is just simple. Just do X, Y, and Z thing. To them, it may be a lot. It We don't know all the things that they're going through and what they're struggling with. And for you to come in and bombard somebody with another opinion is sometimes the last thing that they need. So with close close friends that I have a deeper connection with, like people who I would consider to be very close friends, I may see something like, oh, I've I know exactly. Yeah, I've heard of that. Or, you know, first of all, I show empathy or, you know, especially in these initial conversations. Oh, my gosh, my kid was diagnosed with X or I just went to the doctor and I found out X, Y and Z. And I'll, you know, show empathy and listen. Your, your job is not to provide an opinion unless they want it. But after you get through that initial stage, it may be appropriate. And again, this is with closer friends. I will say something very simple like, oh, you know, I actually... Um, interviewed somebody or like I listened to a podcast. So like if it was not me, because like I would say, oh, gosh, I interviewed somebody who knew everything about this. Let me send you that episode. Or like I I listened to a podcast on this and it's from, you know, a naturopathic doctor who can talk about natural ways, you know, treating the root cause of that. Like that will really help. And you can do that, you know, with your doctor. I may say like, oh, hey, I listened to a podcast. Can I send it to you? Or, you know, I've actually done a lot of research into that. Like, I have some resources. Do you want me to send them to you? And if they say no, then then there you go. But it, most people are going to say, yeah, um, sure, send me some resources. So I have written, most of my close friends have gotten emails from me with, here's this episode. Here's what I do. Here's what I take. What you know, like, you know, what do you do for your kid? My kid's sick. You know, my best friend's son is like, okay, here, da, 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 and I'll just recommend like, here's the kid's vitamin C I have or whatever. So usually people get an email from me. If it's not close friends, which I have offered help or resources to people who maybe are from my church or just you like husband's friends or something and they're struggling with something and my husband has volunteered me to help or has, you know, I see somebody struggling and I don't, I hate that feeling when I, I see somebody struggling, especially when it's like with a diet or something. Then I will say like, I'll just shoot a quick email or a text and say, hey, is this something that you like, I'm, I'm, have some resources or I have some thoughts, like I can absolutely help. Do you would do you want my help? And if so, we can just go have coffee or, you know, we can just schedule a quick phone call and I can like walk you through some things. But absolutely, you know, I'm always like no pressure, no obligation. This is just here. Like I'm here for you if you need me kind of thing. And that's really the extent of it. I will just one more time reinforce that you cannot control other people and you shouldn't. Everybody has should have the right to make their own decision when it comes to their health and what medical interventions they choose, what diet they choose, what medications they choose, even if you don't agree with it. And that's okay. And I know it can be hard to see somebody struggling when you you know what would help and that person won't do it or they continue to complain or be a victim. You know, I, I think we all know those people. And in those situations, you have permission to disengage from those conversations and situations. You don't have to keep trying and keep convincing and keep trying to sell the person on this is going to work for you and then they don't do it. So you could save yourself. 
you can disengage and, and walk away. Because once you've provided yourself as a resource and you've provided that information, you can let it go. It's not up to you to make that person do it. So that's just a side. Last quick question. This is from Paula. She says, can you all talk about curing autoimmune disease? I've seen those terms used recently, and it makes me stabby. Is it curable or in remission? What's the right terminology? I'm doing all the things and thriving on low-dose T3 and 4 and LDN, low-dose naltrexone, but seeing the naturally healing taglines gives me guilt that I'm not doing enough. Yeah, so I have all of these words typed, but um, (laughs) A, stabby. I have never said that. I just, I'm going to. That's funny. That's a funny word. I it like makes that. me stabby. It's yeah, cute. I like it a lot. Um, <laughs> importantly, um, be, I'll be quick. <laughs> that aside, aside, um, I agree with you. Uh, basically, in in terms of uh, this kind of language, you know, it's, it it goes for so many things. Uh, autoimmune conditions, like when your body learns how to make an antibody, it knows how to make that antibody, and you can get rid of the triggers all you want. You can manage it all you want, but your body like immune system carries memory with it. And so I think about it the way I think about, um, a ton of health conditions, pretty much all of them, which is that, um, things impact us and they have effects and we may be genetically predisposed to them or not. Right. But, uh, they become a part of who we are, right? Like, Do I no longer have polycystic ovaries? Correct. But the thing that the things that made me have PCOS uh, were successful for a reason. And then uh, since then, like I, I still like, yeah, I'm irregular sometimes. Right. And so and I have the cluster of things that participated in that and I have been impacted by that. And could I end up having polycystic ovaries? you know, ovaries again. Yeah. Like, sure. You know, especially if those things happen to me again. And so, um, I like the word manage. Uh, I might use the words, what might I, you could treat something, but I wouldn't imply that it would like necessarily lead to some kind of cure, which I think we often, you know, we'll talk about. I really like manage a lot, especially for autoimmune diseases. I could keep rambling, but I, that's where I'm at, you know, um, for sure. If you're thriving, keep thriving, you know, like, yeah, yeah. My note at the bottom is like, uh, if you're thriving, you're doing it right. So <laughs> thriving is good. I, I that, right? keep going, yeah. keep doing that. I, okay. So I'll just finish with this. The thing that we learn about as nutritional therapy practitioners is that we do not treat disease and we for sure are not curing anything. And if you use those terms, you are, you you literally you could get in big trouble and anybody yeah. <laughs> who is a professional in a professional practitioner even a doctor is going to know that there is not a one size fits all cure much like there's not a one size fits all diet for any autoimmune disease and so anybody who's using cure uh, this is the number one cure for any autoimmune disease is using a very scammy marketing marketing tactic my my husband calls them marketing schemes that they're trying to sell you it's they're trying to sell you on their solution even though i can promise you it's not a cure and that's concerning that's what concerns me is when people take advantage of others and talk about use words like cure, like anybody, any professionals in in the medical field know better than that. And everybody knows that people are bio-individual and what's going to work for one person isn't necessarily going to work for another. And that you, what works for somebody might actually be a number of different things. I did look up the definition of cure, and it's like a permanent end to a specific instance of a disease. So when you have a common cold, you recover from it. That person is said to be cured, even though they might someday catch another cold. And I was like, well, okay, so I guess it's a little bit more flexible than not. But cure usually refers to like a complete restoration of health. I just, it's like 
a cure in and of itself, and this is actually what I found in the definition, is a one-time resolution of symptoms. And we know that is not true with most health things, health conditions, especially autoimmune diseases. There is not a one-time resolution that happens with symptoms, and then it never comes back. So I really do like remission because... If you have dealt with an autoimmune disease and now it's in remission, it's kind of understood that even though there's no universally accepted definition of it, it varies from each person to person. But it it kind of says, OK, like I do have this disease, but the symptoms are not prevalent right now. And I think that's OK. We don't have to find our identity in the disease being active or not. It It just is what it is. And our bodies, when they're in struggling or triggered are going to always respond in a specific way, just like Stephanie said. Now, I had hypothalamic amenorrhea. I don't anymore. Am I cured of it? Sure. I have a period. That's cool. But I could do things again in which my body would feel that stress, and I would probably, I could easily lose my period again. And I do find that I have, when I'm stressed, my period gets irregular. Now, that's for most people, but I just, it is, you can, you can use whatever definition makes you feel best. I love I love managed too. I think that's great, but you do not need to feel guilt or shame if you are thriving and you are doing well and your symptoms are not causing you day to day um ache and aches and pains and and disrupting your life. So keep doing what you're doing and I would unfollow whoever is saying that they're going to cure your disease. Okay. Okay, that's it for me uh, and Stephanie. (laughs) We'll be back next week to talk more about more things for more from us, Um, my website, and uh, the new Well-Fed Women homepage is coconutscattlebells.com. And it's uh, if you just click on podcasts at the top, it'll come up. Stephanie is healthtoempower.com. She's at stephanie.ruper on Instagram. She talks about her fashion. She wears a lot of blue. It looks really good. Thanks, guys. Is teal not a very, I guess teal is like a combo of blue and green. Sorry. Yes. Another running theme in my stories is how angry I get when people call teal blue. (laughs) Come join me for the fun. (laughs) Stephanie wearing teal. Thanks guys for being here. We'll talk to you next week.